coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Cannot begin to tell you how much more efficient and effective I've been as a leader, knowing that I took care of the tasks I needed to get done and prioritize them. And it's a recommendation that I make for everybody because we get distracted. We've got lots of things going on and we can lose the plot. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, Episode 16. This episode's interesting fact is, if you walked all 18 holes of a golf course, instead of riding in a golf cart, you would walk approximately four miles. Our guest for this episode knows all about golf, as well as the importance of walking the extra mile to get the job done. Today's episode features Lou Diamond. Lou is a coach, consultant, best-selling author, speaker, and motivator. He was a top producer for firms such as Accenture, Deloitte, Omnicom, Merrill Lynch, and Bank of America, leading teams to achieve record revenues year after year. Lou founded Thrive, a leading consulting and coaching company focused on making the most incredible leaders and top performers even more amazing. Most recently, he launched Thrive Loud, a weekly podcast dedicated to inspiring people to reach their peak potential in every facet of their life. And I can say I was a proud guest on that program, and it was wonderful. A Cornell University graduate, Lou is a passionate sports fan, avid golfer, loving husband, and extremely proud dad. Lou, thanks so much for coming on the show. Naftali, thank you for having me. And just to clarify the way I play golf, it's probably more like six miles because I'm hitting the ball all over the place. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to hold you that, but walking the extra mile then I guess would be even more appropriate. So let's talk right away if we can about relationships, because that's one of the things in your bio that really intrigues me. And I'm sure Lead to Succeed Nation is always looking for tips and how to increase and strengthen their relationships. Why do you feel that to be so important in business? And how do you suggest that people develop more and deeper connections? As the podcast pro that I am, I literally dropped my microphone. Uh, (laughs) Here's uh, connections. Connections have been, Naftali, something that I've been doing my entire life, not just in my career. And the ability and the importance of making sure that you establish strong, long-lasting connections has been something that I've always done and never recognized that a lot of other people don't do. And as in all my career, whether from consulting or in sales, or in helping to coach and lead individuals, I recognized that it is essential to establish strong connections and relationships and bonds. And there is actually an art to it. And I've kind of decoded it a little bit. And that's when, when I wrote my book, Master the Art of Connecting, I recognized how important it was for people to really understand how they need to be to connect with others. And it's it's vital to know that I figured out that there is actually muscles involved in doing this. And that's actually what I coach and lead and speak about all the time is really understanding those connecting muscles that strengthen your core, that enable you to be a master connector. And it is what actually is the root of incredible business, communication, leadership, and really how you grow everything that you're trying to do, whether it's yourself your goals, your business, 
and your dreams. Beautiful. So I have a couple of questions for you right there because I picked up on a few things that I'm wondering if our listeners are thinking about as well. Number one, you talked about how this was something you did, I guess we could say from birth or from early on. So would you say that connecting is a natural thing that just comes to certain people and they just have an easier time at it? Because you also talked about it being an art and you used the term muscle. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on there. How would you sort of work us through the weeds, so to speak, to understand maybe I feel I'm not a natural connector. Maybe I feel like I don't build relationships easily, or at least it's not easy for me. So talk people in particular through the process, assuming for the moment that they don't feel that they're natural connectors. What are some things that they could be doing to not only practically apply in their conversations, but practice on the front end so that they're really ready and comfortable for any conversations they might have? And it's a great, great question, and, and it helps to lead in helping to decode a lot of the connecting core. There are individuals that are more comfortable, as you say, meeting and socializing with other individuals, either on the phone, in person, um, online, on in, in a stage, in, in a sales meeting, uh, in a classroom. There are these individuals are the types that seem to be more socially outgoing. And then there are those that are not. Now, I want to make this clear that just because you happen to be a gregarious social type of person, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a great connector. Uh, in fact, in some cases, if, you, in, if you're too gregarious and too social, you might not connect at all. You may be too unfocused and trying to say hello to everybody as opposed to trying to focus and really connect with one individual. What I like to say, and I used to say this about sales a long time ago, Naftali, someone told me, you can't teach someone how to sell. Now, I don't necessarily know if that is true or not, because I believe there's a lot of training out there. There's a lot of methodologies. And I think through experience, a lot of people actually become very successful salespeople. And it can be something that is taught. However, there are lots of arguments that some people, as you've mentioned, have this innate ability. So whether or not you have the ability to be taught how to sell or whether sales can be taught, that I'm not concerned about. What I do know is that the ability to connect can be coached and you can become a great connector. You can be an introvert and still connect with another individual on a certain topic or an expertise or something personal. There are the muscles that we work on, and I guess we can get into that. These four muscles of the connecting core, uh, I like to call it the SAFE. Uh, and it's an acronym because I was in consulting, Naftali. I had to make everything into an acronym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the uh, I'll work it backwards, S-A-F-E, but I'll go backwards. E is the power of empathy, uh, the ability to stand in one, another's shoes and understand what their world looks like. F is a fearless mindset and is to move through the fears that hold you back and into courage. A, which I like to say is the linchpin of the connecting core, is authenticity. And that is being open, honest, and from the heart with every person you connect with. And the last one, the S, which is a little bit challenging, is the super why. And that is living and breathing your why, and I'm putting that in quotes, each and every day. And that's kind of your purpose, your essence, why you were put on this planet. I like to say, Naftali, I was put on this planet to work with the most amazing people and make them even more amazing. That's what Thrive does. That's what I do with individuals, leaders, companies, and groups. And that's also what I do with companies and brands too, some amazing companies, how they can connect. And that connecting core is what everyone needs to work on, whether you're the most social person in the world, 
and you feel that you can go out and go meet anyone, those other muscles and whether you're doing them or not are things you could always improve upon and make yourself better. And those that really don't feel that they're very comfortable with it, they can improve even just little bits in each one of that of those connecting core muscles. And they really will start to establish tighter bonds with those that originally they didn't think they'd be able to connect with in the first place. I love the acronym. And it's not just because I do consulting as well. I just think it's always much easier to remember. And the way that you developed it is beautiful, Lou. Before I get into that next part, because you talked about how you help people improve performance, and I definitely want to go deeper there. I'm glad you sort of circled back and brought the conversation a little bit away from sales and back to connecting. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think this is critical is because some people listening might have said, well, you know, I'm not in sales. And so maybe all of this that you're talking about is not super relevant to me. But number one, if you're going to listen to Dan Pink and others, really all of us are in sales. Uh, We're going to define the term obviously more broadly, not simply selling a product, but selling relationships, getting people to do things that they otherwise otherwise might not do or might not do in the time frame in which you want to see it done. So frankly, sales has to be understood in a much broader sense today. And the fact that you are talking about connecting and empathy and trying to read my notes here. Uh, the idea of being fearless on the one hand, but authentic on the other and knowing your why, that sounds like you're building from your inner core. You really know who you are and what you're trying to accomplish, but you're, and you're not afraid as a result to sort of put that out there, engage others with that from that position of strength, I would say, and as a result, really be an influencer of others around you. Am I, am I getting the idea that you're trying to present? No, you're, you're nailing it home. And, and I think this is what all the listeners need to know. There have been many years in my career where there probably was a sales title on a business card or a function that I was doing. I want to make this clear. I was never selling. Selling was happening along the way, and I wasn't really just in sales. I was connecting. And sales is a result. And having strong, powerful, lasting connections will lead to multiple sales, many sales, many relationships. And sales just happens to be a bump in the road and what you're actually trying to achieve. Too often people are thinking that the goal is to make the sale. No, the goal is to make the connection because the connection is what's going to do more than just make a sale. It's going to actually create a partnership and alliance and a level of trust that that's the person that you choose to do business with. That's the person you choose to grow with. And that also, let's spin that to your point about not being in sales. Think about how you want to connect with your people in your organization. If you're a leader, if you're a CEO, this is, you know, everyone likes to say when, you know, when you recruit someone to come work at your company, there's an art of selling, if you would, about your company. You want to do some sales-like things. What I argue is that you're helping to connect your company, your vision, your message to people that you want to be part of your team. So think about that employee that comes to work for you. You have to establish a strong connection with all your employees and bring them in so they understand and get a piece of your world, connect to you so they understand that this organization that they're going to be part of is also part of them. And that is the the essence from this. So you're right, your listeners who are thinking this is not sales. This is connecting across the board in every single thing you do with every interaction with people you come across. Beautiful. And thank you for going deeper with me on that. I'm sure that we could spend all our time talking about connection and there's so much gold in this conversation. <laughs> but there's another part of your profile, Lou, that I know when people, you know, click on this link and, you know, really want to listen to this conversation, they see something about you that really speaks to them. And that's the idea of being 
an even higher or greater performer? Because mm-hmm. you work on increasing and improving performance. So tell us a little bit more about that. And what are some tips that you could share with our listeners about how they can enhance their performance and really get the most out of their workday and beyond? So I, we'll use that connecting uh, core as a platform to that. What I've recognized is that those that have mastered those muscles, the master connectors, are the top performers in everything they do, whether they're connecting their brand as a, as a CEO and representing their company, whether they're top performers, salespeople, people in HR connecting their messages and their philosophy on how they can get their organization to run uh, effectively. But top performance, what, I, what I've recognized and, and what I do is I actually assess every individual that I work with and, and what their connecting core looks like how great if they are communicating their message, their selves, their why. And based on getting the performance out, sometimes, Naftali, the the key part is that one thing that they need to really focus on, that muscle, is really what they have to strengthen to get their game up, to improve the way they connect in, in what they're doing. And I know I'm bringing it back to connection, but what I've recognized is that this carries forward in so many things you do. As a top performer in the past, there was this survey that was done. I, I had a lot of people that worked for me. And there was one of those, I guess they call them 360 reviews that they went around the company. But this was done by a lot of the junior people in the company. And they gave scores for their employer or who they worked for directly, their boss. And I was one of those individuals. And these review, this review went out. And I got pulled in by the head of an entire department and was asked what it was I was doing and I said, why do you ask this? Because your team is, you have the highest score out of anyone by a huge multiple. And we want to know what you're doing and your team is performing. What I recognized, and one of the key things in making people perform is to recognize what they do best and coach them and enable them, not tell them how to do it. So it turned out that, and there'll be a book on this down the road, Mr. Lead to Succeed, but I will share this to you, that I have a philosophy that is a way that you can improve your performance. And it relates to the connecting as the baseline. However, it is a communication style that I call ask, ask, tell. This leadership method I've used is help to get the people who work on your team to actually extend the way they perform. And that communication style applies how they talk to their clients, how they talk to each other, and how they think about the way that they can do what they do every day. And that leadership style, I guess we can have a whole other show about, but that's been paired with this connecting core. And that has been part of the art, if you would, of finding what you do best and elevating it to the next level. Wow. You know, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, when I when I asked the question, I thought you might go in the, in the route of goal setting and sort of envisioning yourself as a greater performer, you know, a lot of things you might hear out there. What I'm hearing from you instead is sort of like an inside out approach that if you strengthen connections, if you really ask great questions, that that's going to be not only a great clarifier, but also a great motivator. Whereas goal setting, obviously you have to have an idea of what you want to accomplish, but it's like you put the idea out there and then you try to stretch yourself to reach it. So it's almost like an outside-in type of approach instead. I don't know if you would agree with the metaphor that I'm using, but nonetheless, is that, in essence, what you're saying, that it's really about building your inner core, developing those relationships and connections, and invariably, performance is going to improve? 
Yeah. And I'll add to it. I recently interviewed a CEO of a very successful technology startup company. Their, their path and evolution and what they went to really turned and pivoted in, in a very timely and effective way. Yet it never really changed from what they started setting out to do. And the CEO made a comment. I actually asked him a question. Did you look at the competition to see how you can make yourself better? And he replied back very poignantly, I never look at the competition. I just, I asked my customers what they want better. And we looked within as to what we vision the company to do and where it would go. And his general message, which I agree with, is that if we do what we love, and if we focus on what we do best to the best of our abilities and make it better and push ourselves and set goals for ourselves, we elevate the bar. And if we connect with great partners to help do that, and make your goals happen, that power of connection takes it to a level, Naftali, that's on a multiplicative level. It's a force multiplier, if you would, that takes all those power of connections and brings it up higher. So you're right. You, we look from within, we figure out what those key, those key things mean as much to us, work from that core, do our best job, and we will do better. I don't disagree that you need good goals and focus to keep you on track. However, I think if you understand your core to its essence, you will elevate it to the next level. This is fun, Naftali. We're having yeah, fun Oh my in this gosh. Yeah, here. I really am. I'm, <laughs> I'm like an information overload over here. I think I'm going to need to hear this. You know, I always listen to it anyway. You're going to have to come before I publish and I got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, taking notes like crazy. Yeah. So I want to, let's actually uh, shift it just a little bit because with sure. all of this, all of this conversation is fantastic. And certainly these are the ideals but I think one of the things that, that draws uh, Lead to Succeed listeners to this podcast is the fact that we also try to lift the curtain a little bit and talk about leadership challenges because the reality is we're not perfect. Uh, we can't remember every acronym out there. We're not always going to do it exactly as prescripted by the experts. Uh, we can't always have Lou Diamond next to us advising us as we're, as we're working through our processes. So talk us through, please, a leadership challenge, whether your own, a client's, someone that you served or know about. What was the challenge and how was it overcome? Hmm. All right. So, well, uh, I'll keep it uh, to myself. Maybe that, that'll be more, more relevant. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen uh, the movie Up, a lot of people have uh, one of those animated uh, Pixar movies. I think it's Pixar who made that movie. There's a, there's a great character in there that's a dog. And, and the dog, uh, every time he'll have a middle of a conversation, he'll just stop saying what he's saying and look because he thinks he sees a squirrel and he'll go squirrel and he'll completely lose his, his train of thought. Mm. And I've heard lots of leaders talk about, you know, you need to avoid the squirrels. I've even heard people say killing all the squirrels. Like you have to keep yourself off track. Mm -hmm. When I started becoming a solopreneur and then entrepreneur and obviously a team of people working with me, the idea and all the distractions out there of what you can do I was writing a book and then a book led to a podcast show and speaking engagements and consulting engagements and the types of consulting and, and coaching work that I was doing didn't necessarily fit into a box. And it was very difficult. And of course, you're also promoting yourself and, and going on podcast shows or TV interviews and all this stuff. And there's lots of things going on that can completely distract you. And I found as a leadership challenge, what was happening was there were a lot of squirrels. My head was spinning I was trying to keep focused. And since at, at least initially, it was just me, it was difficult 
to stay on track and not drop all of the balls and make sure that I kept a good path and still move things forward. Let alone the fact that the way that work would come in is that I'd be busy for certain clients at a certain time and I never wanted to drop the ball and let my clients down. So one of the key things was that I needed to make sure that I set a certain discipline for myself and things that I recommend all the time for my clients. One of the things that I do every single day, and if there was ever one thing, is that in the beginning of the day, I have three things that I must get done by that day, whatever it is. And they always change because it might even change from I could write it the night before and then I wake up and something might have popped in my inbox that have changed that priority or something happened that changed my focus for that moment. But the most important thing was not to lose the essence that I still needed to get certain things done. Now, this seems silly and very tactical and very, you know, for everyone's job. It doesn't matter if you're a leader or running a company. However, when you have lots of things going on, you can get distracted from those things. This list, which I use, by the way, now, thank goodness uh, for, I, I, I'm a big Apple product person, but the notes feature is wonderful. There's one every single day for me. And I write it in the morning, first thing after I've gotten up and uh, hit those things and make sure those things get done first. I cannot begin to tell you how much more efficient and effective I've been as a leader, knowing that I took care of the tasks I needed to get done and prioritize them. And it's a recommendation that I make for everybody because we get distracted. We've got lots of things going on and we can lose the plot. And if you don't do this, you're not going to move forward. Those little steps are so key and they'll help you launch you for whatever those priorities are. So a leadership challenge that I look at, and I help coach this with lots of other great leaders because they're trying to take on so much. There's a lot of squirrels out there. Sure. Is that I basically say to them, as simplify these things. There's always three things that you need to do that day. And by the way, these don't always have to be work-related things. Um, got my mother's birthday coming up at the time of our recording here in a couple of days. It is literally on the list to make sure that I get this gift for her for, for today. And then there's lots of other things that have to do. I have a, a proposal to write for a client and I have a speech to prepare for for later this week. I know mm. those are the most important things. And each morning I work on that importance. No matter what, by the end of the day, those things will be done today. Except the gift thing is I kind of need my sisters to help me out with it. But that's not important <laughs> right now. But anyway, at least yeah, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm connecting with you very deeply. Actually, by the time this is recorded, it'll already happened. But I'm actually leaving for a trip to Israel tonight. I've got a son there who's studying for the year in a yeshiva. Um, and so as a result, I've got all of my professional responsibilities still to clean up and at the same time get ready for my trip. So I've got my list galore. And I hear you loud and clear. This is awesome advice. The idea of being disciplined, having things that you're really going to focus on and prioritizing. So I, I think it's beautiful because regardless, like you said, whether you're a leader or not uh, of others, you're always a leader minimally of yourself. But if you have the opportunity to really take all the things you know are out there and really prioritize, get focused, you'll get much more done and you'll feel much more accomplished, which of course builds positive momentum as you move forward. Just, just, so let's yeah, go ahead. What are we going to add? I know you're running on time it, and you actually hit the, the nail on the head there. It is that when we're leaders of others, we many times will feel that we have to take care of the others, but it is essential to take care of yourself first. And that is the key to a great leader. Get that, get that set first. And then the other things will follow from that. Mm, beautiful. So I'm actually then going to go out of order with my questions uh, because you are talking about something which I think is very profound. We're discussing it 
on a business level, but you just transitioned us a little bit to a personal level, which I think is great because both of us are of the Jewish faith. And obviously it's important for a person to be able to have balance in their life, to understand what their work demands of them, but at the same time to be able to pursue things that are not work-related, that are maybe spiritual-related, or just give them a sense of completeness. So tell us one way that your faith, your culture, uh, inspires your work, or inspires your way of life. You know, it, it's interesting, and I had some uh, headway that you are going to ask me this question. And I thought about this, that it's something that my, that my mother had said. I'd say that um, look, uh, religion is passed on, obviously, from your parents, or that's the experience that you have. And as people live their lives, they, they go into many different ways. I have a very observant side of the family on my dad's side and a not so observant side on the other one. But my mom always had some interesting vision that I think is the truth. And that is that she always used to say she, or she still does, that she's Jewish in her heart. And I think the message there is that her culture, her experiences, family, the traditions that accompany Judaism are really important to her as a person and they they make up who she is. I think that's very true of myself. I I'm not as observant as as many other others and uh at different times in my life I've been more observant than less. I think that your level of commitment in whatever religion you are. I'm actually fascinated by all religions and all people and I'm respectful of all of them. Their customs their their uniqueness, uh, their beliefs are all fascinating because we're all individual people that all are trying really to work together well. I think, unfortunately, in life, religion has been too much of a divider, um, in, you know, on a global level or, and becomes a very challenging. Look what goes where you're going to the Mideast and all the challenges that have gone on there for years. However, there is something way beyond that that everybody respects, and that is that history and culture and traditions that go along with it, those those things are important. And they're important to everybody at a different level. For me, it's something uh, more of family and uh, the link that we have to each other and those uh, those moments or those holidays. Uh, I, I took my family actually out to Israel last, uh, the March of 2016, and really had an incredible experience out there and got a chance to, to really see how my kids can understand the history and lessons that have happened there. To me, that's where it's important and that that's how it makes up who I am. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to my trip as well and I would tell you that what you, you hit the nail on the head as far as having that sense of balance, having that sense of connection, knowing that you have something perhaps bigger than yourself to always fall back on and turn to whether you are observant on a regular basis or it's something that you connect with a little bit less often is is not the conversation here. It's really more about where you are in terms of your sense of identity and how that informs, I would say at least, how it informs your practice, how it informs your values and your beliefs. And uh, my recommendation for, for everybody listening is you find whatever works for you, but you create that sense of identity that extends well beyond the workplace, but at the same time can often inform your work decisions, uh, your career decisions, a variety of different things are often informed just by who we are, the ethical and uh, values that we that we um, embrace and adopt uh, along the way. And so that really is a great, I would say, ending to this first segment to understand that work is all about connection, as we discussed. It's all about improving performance by relating to people. But it also starts with a deep sense of who we are 
uh, our inner core, as you spent a lot of time talking about, Lou, building those muscles, whether those are attitudinal, behavioral, spiritual, or all the above, and using that sense of guidance, that North Star that really drives you forward and helps you be the very best person you could be, both as a leader, as a family member, just a member of the community, you name it. Uh, it really adds depth to it. And I think that that's often, I think it's often underappreciated. You know, we live in a society that that glamorizes people based on income, glamorizes people based on certain other things, what we might call the celebrity uh, profile. And we don't appreciate enough the hard work as well as the inner growth. And, and I would say the private in many ways, the private growth, the private sense of development uh, that individuals go through that do not make the tabloids and do not even make it onto social media, but are just part of a person's inner sense of who I am and who I want to be. And I think you've given us tremendous insight in all of that. And I think that if we can somehow incorporate some of the lessons you have shared moving forward, we are going to really do a great service for, for ourselves and our listeners. So I want to lift the curtain if I can, because we have to wrap up soon, but there's, I think you've given us some insights, but I think we could always benefit from more. Using our rapid fire segment, here's my first question for you. Who's the athlete you most idolized growing up? Um, I guess I have two. Um, one was as, as a teen and then one maybe in my younger, it's, I, and I was a very big basketball fan. So it was, uh, Julius Irving, Dr. J growing up. And then it was Michael Jordan and, and I'm from New York. I probably, uh, hated him more than anything else, but, but his, uh, his focus on winning was, was so incredible and how he made everyone else around him better. I think as a leader is something that we, we always set him as uh, the guide. So yeah, he, he more so. And, and Dr. J was just really cool. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, we talked about golf before. Nicest course you've been to? Nicest course I've been to or nicest course I've played? Oh, good question. Answer it any way you want. Okay. So the nicest course that I played um, I was very fortunate to play out in Long Island. Uh, it's a beautiful course uh, called Maidstone, which is right on the beach. It's, a, it's actually out in East Hampton. It is, it is breathtaking. Uh, it is a, it's on, there's two holes that are actually right along the beach and are gorgeous, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, very good friend who invites me out there at least once a year. The nicest course I've ever been to was uh, in 2010, I went to Augusta National and watched uh, the Masters. And that was, um, that was, there is television doesn't do justice for how spectacular Augusta National is and how wonderful the Masters tournament is. Beautiful. Yes, I've heard all about it. And I know it's fantastic. All right, let's shift a little bit more. Shower, morning or evening? Morning. And if I worked out during the day, evening, but, but always morning. Can't get up without <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I, I work out now in the morning, so I get my showers in the morning as well. Last one, favorite kosher food or Yiddish saying? <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm Sephardic and, and I always feel like um, I, I'm a goy when it comes to Yiddish because I'm, I'm just not that good with the Yiddish terms. Uh, but the- Ladino is also fine, by the way. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll go with, um, I'll, I'll go Sephardic on you. I'll go Mebruch, which is basically the equivalent of Mazel Tov for, um, as a saying um, related to that, you know, more, more Arabic slash uh, Sephardic that we utilize. Although I do love the word schlep in Yiddish, which is just the greatest word of all time. So we have to give that. As for, um, for kosher food, I'm going to go back to my, my Sephardic upbringings, and that's going to have to be long kibbeh, which is basically like a, a torpedo um, with meat stuffed inside, and it's just spectacular. I highly recommend it with lemon. 
Awesome. I'm I'm surprised you didn't say gefilte fish. I'm no, shocked. not 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 a <laughs> chance. I don't even know what that is. I, I they can't they can't you can't put it in a can. <laughs> it's not my thing. Well, yeah, we we actually make it on Shabbos, but we don't make it in a can. We my wife bakes it, but it's still it's still gefilte. It's, fair enough. <laughs> it's not quite salmon. Nope. So Lou, tell our our listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they could learn more about your work, and share a little bit more in general about the work you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as Naftali mentioned, I, I run a company called Thrive. And if you went to thrivepartners.net, you can see everything that's there. I also do, I am a motion, motivational speaker and a coaching consultant. And uh, if you also go to loudiamond.net, there's all the information about me, which includes uh, my book, Master the Art of Connecting. Any of the speaking gigs that I've done recently, there's a lot of videos on there. And, and maybe more notably, and what has certainly grown to a whole new level is my podcast show, which Naftali was a spectacular guest on, which is called Thrive Loud. And you can reach it at thriveloud.com or in, in any of your listening devices for podcasts. We have tons of interviews. I, I want to say that uh, we actually, at the time of this recording, we're nearing our 50th uh, reunion episode. Where we're bringing back lots of guests and there's many more famous and amazing people that are thriving each and every day out there. So fun to listen to and uh, go check out Naftali's uh, interview as well. It was spectacular to learn about Lead to Succeed. Look at that, a plug for you. Oh, I appreciate that. And we're going to get all your all oh. your links in the show notes yeah, and, and your bio and everything else. And, thri- and at Thrive Loud everywhere in social media. It's just in, in, in all forms, at Thrive Loud, all one word. You'll find me. But we're not going to tell anyone what loud stands for. We'll let them figure that out for themselves. Exactly. They're going to have to uh, listen. Okay. So, Lou, leave us, please. You've given us so much gold, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for one final life lesson. Something, it doesn't have to be leadership related, but something you really wanted to impart on your way out uh, for our listeners. I have to use what I use in the tagline of my show when I, when I close every episode, and that's be brief, be bright, be gone. Too often, I feel that people need to be long-winded, and I apologize on your show if I was here, but getting a quick, short message that's really to the point is more important than being long and wordy. So be brief, be bright, be gone in everything you do. You were great, Lou, in every respect, so you need not worry. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Lead to Succeed. It's been a lot of fun having you, and we've learned a tremendous amount from you. Naftali, my pleasure. I'm glad, but not not, not that disappointed that I went over. (laughs) Oh, not at all. We're good. Today's leadership quote is from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, if I pronounce that correctly. A great person attracts great people and knows how to hold them together. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives social proof and encourages more folks to listen. Social media junkies, please share this recording with your networks and tag me as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Naftali Hoff and on Twitter at at Impactful Coach. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.